Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.cooplaxon.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. In today's episode of Soul Talk, I'm excited to interview my dear friend, Dr. Shafali. She's a world-renowned clinical psychologist. She's also best-selling author of the book, The Awakened Family, as well as The Conscious Parent, which has been endorsed by Oprah as one of the most profound books on parenting she has ever read. This interview is filled with information. Regardless of whether you're a parent or not, your life is sure to transform in this interview. Another amazing episode of Soul Talk. Hey folks, welcome to the Soul Talk podcast. I'm really excited about my guest today. Uh, she's uh, considered a dear soul sister, soul friend, and uh, she's just a very special human being. Um, I shared a little bit about her bio and a little bit about her in the intro to this week's episode, but she's uh, the author of The Awakened Family, an incredible book called The Conscious Parent, which has been endorsed by Oprah. And uh, I would definitely say it's one of the most powerful, enlightening, profound books on parenting um, out there right now. So if you're a parent, if you're wanting to be a parent, check out that book. And I'm just excited to get into her mind and have a whole bunch of questions to ask her. Welcome to the podcast, my dear friend, Dr. Shafali. Welcome. Thank you, Kurt. So happy to be here with you. Great to have you here. I've been really looking forward to uh, talking with you on the Soul Talk podcast. You know, for those that uh, may not know about your background, I'm excited to share you with my community, but I would love uh, for you to share just a little bit about, you know, how, how, how did you get started in terms of writing books? And I know you're a clinical psychologist and you never, your work really deals with parenting and you know, family, awakened family. So how did you get started uh, doing what you're doing? How, how did that emerge for you? Tell us a bit about your, your journey. Sure. Well, I think that from a young age, I had a deep yearning for, you know, service, uh, you know, like every or like most young girls, I had prototypical dreams of being a teacher, then a social worker, uh, you know, then uh, some sort of service oriented person or professional that was always I, I loved people. So that that was a no brainer. But then as I grew up and evolved, I also became interested in the deeper aspects of people, you know, the psychological consequences and confluences that occur within a psyche. What makes people tick? What makes people sad? Why do we suffer? And that inevitably led me to Eastern mysticism and spirituality. Um, so when I came to America to study Western psychology and eventually pursued a PhD at Columbia in psychology, um, I, I, for those 10 years also pursued uh, a deep meditation practice 
and delved into mm-hmm. Eastern spirituality and soon began to merge the two of them in my attempt and curiosity and desire to discover the deeper underpinnings of the psyche. And uh, I've taken that into my work with people. I, I work with families and children. And, and um, then when I became a parent myself, I began to see that I thought I was all put together, but really I was unraveling. Mm-hmm. And there was something very profound and uh, transparent that was occurring in the parent-child relationship, especially in my life, that was causing me to look at stuff that I had never looked at before. And so I began to mm-hmm. go deeper into this phenomenon. You know, what is it about the parent-child dynamic that is special and unique uh, that affords a different spiritual awakening that most other relationships cannot and then I began to write about it, and that's how you know the journey continued. You talk about the the, the conscious parent. So for those that don't know, like what what do you mean by the conscious parent? What what does that term mean to you? Well, I think consciousness is complex, but uh, simplistically put, a conscious parent is one who understands that this journey where we bring in our children is not just you know, simple and superficial in terms of, oh, the parent raises the child. It's actually profoundly more transformative and spiritual. It's, it's really about the parent looking at this dynamic as a wake-up call, as an invitation to look within, as the child as the mirror to, for the parent to go back into their own childhood and heal whatever was lying and laying unresolved and unfulfilled. Because typically, when we're unconscious, we use our children to, to meet our fantasies, to fulfill our expectations. And we don't realize we're doing this, but we do. It's the insidious nature of the current modern and traditional parenting paradigms, which I'm trying to debunk and deconstruct. So unconsciously, we then pass on legacies of our emotional wounds onto our children and make them suffer by holding them and fulfilling them. And it's not their journey to do this. You know, our, their, their journey is wow. to fulfill their destiny. So how can we allow our children to fulfill their destiny? That's the mandate of a conscious parent. So let's say, you know, for those listening, maybe there's folks out there who they're not parents yet. They want to be parents. Um, what can someone who isn't yet a parent do to prepare themselves spiritually, mentally, emotionally, to be a parent? Are there specific things we can do to to prepare ourselves? Well, first, you know, most people come into consciousness rudely. It's a rude awakening. It's never gentle Mm -hmm. or uh, (laughs) sweet. Very few privileged enter it out of their (laughs) own awakening. You know, they wake up one morning and they're like, oh, it's time to get enlightened. Most people do have a great <laughs> suffering, a, a rock-bottom experience. And with parents, the rock-bottom experience is when they realize they cannot control their children or when they realize their children are so far off the norm. Or, you know, so I, I say mm-hmm. blessed are those rebellious and uh, uh, you know, outlier children because then they wake the parent up. And when the parent realizes mm-hmm. that what they thought the parenting journey was going to be is so not, that's when they have a rude awakening. They go to see a therapist. But typically, therapists are in the typical parenting paradigm, which is that they want to fix the child. But if they came to me, then would be a true awakening where I would show them that it's all about them and not about the child. Mm -hmm. So this awareness 
uh, first comes about when you're rock bottom and then the, uh, follows with either a desire or lack of desire to continue this path of deeper inquiry, of soulful insight, of solitude, quietude, reflection. You know, those are the ingredients that go into an insightful person wanting to change patterns. Changing patterns, you know, is the hardest thing in the world. Everyone wants to evolve. No one wants to change. So, you know, I help parents to use this relationship as a jumping off point to change, to truly make the changes that they need to. And it's very hard. But that's what evolution is about. What are some of the, you mentioned a couple, but what are some of the, the main mistakes you've seen uh, parents make in raising their kids? Well, it's this, it's this unconscious, you know, I think it's this uh, unconscious projection of inside stuff that is lying unresolved. And we believe our children are here to resolve it for us. So we, if, you mm. know, so even something small like they don't listen to you and we lose our right. temper. That's not the child's fault. That's us. It's it, because the child's, mm. uh, child's not listening evokes an old wound within us of not being heard. And then we lose it because we feel so helpless and out of control. But this scenario happens in every house and it goes unquestioned. So I question that and go, no, what is the child not listening, bringing up in you that you feel you need to lose your, your sanity? And let's explore that so that, yes, you can help your child. But in doing that, let's also transform you. So let's just say... Stuff is up for, for for you as a parent. You know, you 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 your, your child has triggered something inside of you. You're losing your shit. You're angry. You're hurt. You're 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 reactive. You're 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 lashing out. You're about to lash out. You know, you're just losing your mind. What could, like in that moment? What can a parent do? What, how how can a parent? <laughs> I guess deal with their emotions. You know, and, and, yeah. and in a moment of unconsciousness, like. What, what does one do? I mean, because it is like, it's like, it's, it's, it's easy to say, yes, be the conscious parent, they're reflecting. I think it's so true. But in that moment where the emotions have a grip of you, what, what, what can someone do? Uh, you know, so first, in that moment, most likely we will lose our shit. So then the thing to do is to recover. Mm -hmm. So I always say, okay, mm. so you lost your crap for, for 50 minutes. Now you lose it for 30 minutes. Then you lose it for 20, 10, 5. So recovery mm. becomes quicker and quicker. And then ultimately, if you want to even preempt it and um, uh, stop it and prepare for it, then you need to undergo a true insightful uh, process. You know, you need to have insight into yourself. You need to ask, why does mm. this pattern keep coming up for me? Why do I choose? anger as my default when I can choose so many other creative options. So you ask, what are other ways we can, we can deal with this? Well, first is to pause, take a time out. Nothing's going to happen right at that moment that you're going to fix the world. You know, you're not going to destroy or fix anything in that moment. So take a time out, come back and turn it to humor, turn it to creativity, make it a game. Um, you know, make it dramatic, change it around. Children are not here to be the bane of our existence. They are here to be themselves primarily. And then secondly, they don't know how to, you know, they haven't yet developed the skills of how to cope. That doesn't allow us the leeway to lose our patience all the time, right? We have the children, so now we need to cope. 
Right. It definitely puts the responsibility back on us, for sure. Yes, yes. Love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. And I love that you, it, to me, it feels like, you know, what you're saying is, is, is the path of parenting is, is actually a profound uh, spiritual path of evolution. And uh, it sounds yes, pretty exciting. Yes. It's, not, it's not just this thing you do, but it's, it's a profound spirit. It's, it's like there's yoga, there's meditation. Parenting is its own evolutionary path of awakening. Uh, which is a great yeah, and it's a, it's a profound one because it's a profound mm-hmm. one because this is your children. There's nothing more personal to us uh, than mm-hmm. our children when we become parents. Mm. What is that balance of, I guess, feeling like okay, my children are here to express themselves, and on some level, they have their own evolutionary path. And what is that balance of? of that perspective, but also, okay, I have to set boundaries and guide them and, 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 and I can't just let them, I guess, have no rules and no boundaries and, and yet they're their own, they, 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 they have their own soul lessons. It's, it seems like a, it, it almost seems like two different perspectives. How do you work with those in reality? Right. So I say that the two wings of the ego in conscious parenting are, authenticity and containment. And I define authenticity by an authentic connection, not just a kuchiku, I love you and huggy kissy connection, but an authentic connection where the parent is clear about who it is they are and they are willing and able to allow the child's authentic self to be unleashed. And concomitantly, right at the same time, there is a, an immense pressure to have boundaries. You know, Parenting is full of boundaries, but life is full of boundaries. You know, when you and I go to a restaurant, we are confronted by our ability to have boundaries or not. We could eat 10 burgers or at least two, or we could have a salad. Mm. We are constantly confronted by the, the choices of boundaries. Similarly with parenting, you know, just because I'm advocating the unleashing of the free spirit of the child, in no way am I advocating a boundaryless house. You know, and I say that mm. instead of creating punishments and instead of creating threats and, you know, always bearing down on the child, create an environment that inherently has boundaries set in. For example, you know, make all the TV remotes disappear at seven o'clock in the evening or don't have TVs at all or don't have the iPad out or have the Internet go off at six o'clock in the evening or don't have candy in your fridge. Or, you know, don't have your jewelry out if you don't like your kid picking on it and playing with it. So create the conditions. You know, if, you want, if your kid is, has a tendency towards being hyperactive or uh, attention deficit, then make sure that the environment is simple. Make sure the schedule is kind of very, you know, toned down. You know, we are in charge of seeing who it is our children are and then maneuvering the conditions in the environment to match who it is they are and... Take them to who they need to be. Mm. 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 Got it. So I know a lot of parents who have a problem with, let's say, setting boundaries or saying no. Uh, how, how can someone, how can, how can a parent uh, set boundaries, say no to their, their kids without, let's say, overly imposing or crushing their spirit in a sense? How can they do a boundary without crushing the spirit? Yes, without crushing the spirit of the child or being so, you know, controlling. How, how can a parent 
still authentically set boundaries directly. You know, like let's say there's a there's a request. Yeah, I think is, you know. Yeah, I think very easily. I think the more you put in the bank of the connection, that's why I say connection trumps everything. Connection certainly trumps mm-hmm. correction. Once you've put enough money in the bank of connection, then you can very directly mm-hmm. lay a boundary because you're not afraid. Mm-hmm. You see, the reason we don't create boundaries primarily, first, we don't know what to, where to have a boundary, which is our confusion, and we ourselves are not grown up. And then secondly, we don't, we don't want the conflict that ensues because we're insecure. We want our children to love us. We want to be seen as the good one. And we, we feel guilty because we don't like conflict. So when connection is, is sufficient, then that guilt of the potential disconnection, which is inevitable when you lay a boundary, especially with a teenager, they will say, I hate you, slam the door, leave the house. Well, then you're going to have to tolerate mm-hmm. that, right? And when you're, mm-hmm. when you're fully found, foundationally centered in connection, then you're going to be able to sustain the slight disconnection that's inevitable in life, right? And, um, but, but the other thing is that we crush our children's spirit, not so much because of the boundary, but we crush it because we're not, A, not connected enough, and B, we don't know what to do. Like, what boundary should we have? I can't tell you how many parents come to me, and some of that confounded in my own life, as to what boundary should I have? Like, is this really a bad thing, or is it not? Take the mm. iPad, for example, mm. or the phone. Like, on one hand, technology is fabulous. On the other hand, it's, it's a curse. And drawing that line is infinitely difficult for a parent, especially of today. Right, right, right. Yes, it's, uh, it's definitely a, a delicate thing for sure. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I remember you yeah, talking I think, about, I, I remember boundaries, reading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me. Go ahead. I was just saying that boundaries don't crush anybody's spirit. It's the lack of connection that crushes them. Mm. Are there specific ways that we can, I guess, authentically, a parent can authentically develop that connection in a healthy way, not in a codependent way, but in a healthy way with their kids? What, what, what things can, can a parent do to develop that connection well, so that, that it yeah, is strong? Great, great question. Yeah, so it's not codependent and it's kind of standing on its own, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. That's the key. You know, the reason Mm -hmm. we're codependent is because we are spilling over with all this unfulfilled business within us. And we use our children to be appendages for our spiritual, for our lack of spiritual fortitude. So exactly there is the answer. The more we stand on our own, fully centered in our own purpose and passion, and fully clear of at least who we are becoming, if not who we are, then we will not use our children and not be codependent, not need them more than the connection that we have, right? It won't be siphoning off their existence. It won't be gleaning and glomming off their radiance. We will be radiant Mm. and they will be radiant and we'll both be able to be radiant together. Gotcha. It's it's really uh, a parent really finding their wholeness and being whole within themselves. I love that. Yeah. What, what ways, you know, as 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 a psychologist, as a clinical psychologist, what ways have you found? And maybe this is even you could say less of a parenting question, but it would definitely, from what I'm hearing, affect one's ability to stand in one's wholeness. The more whole you are, the more you can show up as a as an effective, a conscious, awakened parent. 
so to speak. What, what ways can uh, an individual, a man or woman, uh, I guess, develop and cultivate that wholeness within themselves? Are there any specific things that, let's say, I'm sitting here going, okay, I'm, you know, Dr. Shafali, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling insecure. I, I don't feel worthy within myself. You know, I don't feel like I'm enough. What could, where would I start? How would I, how would I start healing myself and healing that disconnection and beginning to love myself? How? Where, where would I start? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, it's, 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 it's you know, it's like, um, it's like thinking about becoming fit, physically fit, and then you like, yes, how do I yes. start? Well, you, you know, it's, you just have to start. You, you pick a gym and you just enroll in a class and if you may ache and be sore for the next 30 days, but you just begin. In, in a, in a mm-hmm. corollary way, you just, you know, pick a wisdom teacher Get some books mm-hmm. on self-help and wisdom teachings, and some may be boring and some mm-hmm. will be good, but it will ignite within you the awareness that this is, there's this whole world inside of you that is actually in charge mm-hmm. of the physical world outside of you that, that you're creating, mm-hmm. and you are part of this co-creative universe, and it'll just open you up to these new ideas, and then you'll begin looking at your life in a new way, and then the, that awareness will in itself create a change. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Ultimately, it's the relationship with ourselves, I think, that's the foundation of anything. And, uh, you know, I think what you're talking about in terms of parenting is just another uh, uh, revelation of that, for sure. Um, Yeah. So for those listening in, I I hope you're finding true value from this conversation. I just invite you to all sit with as you're reflecting on the conversation, whether you're parents or not. What is your relationship with your self-like? I always say that outer experience is a really a reflection of your inner reality. And so if you don't like what's happening out there, what, what is it that you need to shift inside of yourself? Um, yeah. Dr. Shafali, you talk about, I, I, re, I read somewhere, uh, and I thought for me, it seemed like such a simple concept, but for me, it was actually like a, a light bulb went off when I, when I heard you say this in one of your books. It was something about the, the celebrating, I think that was the word, the ordinariness, correct me if I'm wrong, yes. of your kids. And I think so so often yes. in our culture, we're, especially America, you know, we're taught to achieve yes. and be the best and, and, you know, set these standards. And sometimes, I mean, it's great because it forces us to be amazing and evolve and we achieve great things. But uh, it just, I don't know, the word ordinariness, when I heard you say that, really struck me to celebrate the mm. ordinariness of your, of your kids. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know. The, 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 the simplicity of that just struck me in an extraordinary way. And I would love for you to uh, just, can you elaborate <laughs> on what you mean by that? I mean, cause part, part of my mind, is sure. like, but doesn't, but doesn't that like just, you know, aren't we just settling for our kids? being mediocre are we not just are we not pushing our kids to be shouldn't we be pushing our kids to be the best that they can be i mean talk to me yes 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 that's a great great question it does seem counterintuitive and paradoxical for sure Mm -hmm. but i think it's profound like you noticed because this manic desire that you see in the western world especially but now really all over the world for achievement, for superlative, uh, you know, outcome-based goal uh, measures and for 
all this praise on our kids and, and for them to be the best and for us to post it on Facebook, all this is not coming out of an authentic leaning into excellence from the kids' part. It's all coming from a, a, a dire sense of lack on the parents' part. And mm. it actually leads the child to feel as if who it is they are, just in their beingness, is simply not good enough, which is the biggest lie in the world. Who it is they are in their being state and who it is we are in our being state is essentially superlatively divine, as is. Now, in addition to that, if the doing of some excellence comes about in an authentic uh, way with a creative expression of the self in the most organic way possible, great. But this manic search for excellence and recognition and achievement and to be the best is not authentic and nor is it healthy and nor is it normal. And when we rest in the fact that we are just beings meant to be that's what i meant by the ordinariness we're all the mm. same at the end of the day so let's not imagine mm. we're each so unique you know yet we are unique of course we're iconoclastic each one of us but we cannot have narcissism around it you know we are the same we're all made out of the same cloth we're all brothers and sisters but yes if the leaning towards excellence comes authentically then we should all go for it but right now it's forced it's produced, it's contrived, and it's coming out of anxiety and lack. That's the problem. Mm, mm, I like that. Celebrating really the beingness. And I think what I'm really hearing too is it provides, a, I don't know, maybe a, 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 even an unspoken sense of um, uh, enoughness, you know, and, and, and just that, a foundation of enoughness. Uh, for mm-hmm. a child, mm-hmm. when, when we celebrate, when, when we just celebrate who they're being, you know, and sort of unconditional acceptance. Uh, and I'm just thinking about what an amazing foundation for for a child to have when we just celebrate for just being, just being. Uh, that's, that's, that's yeah, and, but but let me tell you, it 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 can only emerge from the parents' own acceptance of their own being. Mm. It's just it's it's like it's mm. a byproduct of that. So the parent is not doing anything, you know, they're not, they're not thinking, let me have a technique, a technique to unconditionally accept my kids. Let me, oh, let me think, what did Dr. Shafali say? She said to, to radiate with unconditional acceptance. Mm. No, it can't come from a thinking place. It comes from a direct, directly personal concomitant overflow of your own in-touchness with your own radiance. Mm. I love that. I love that. It's a, the beingness approach, and so one's relationship one's, with oneself is is the key. It's not it's not an outside in approach that we do, but it's who we're being from the inside. Mm. Yes. So how do we, yeah. how, how does one how does one know that they're ready to have kids? Because I think what I'm hearing you say is really powerful, um, and and I love your approach. I think it's 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 just right on. I think many people are wanting to have kids because yeah, it's just like, isn't that what everyone does? Or, or we're trying to fill some unmet need that wasn't met as children. And we think, well, I can live it through my kids. I can put that on them. They can, they can fulfill me in the ways I wasn't fulfilled. I mean, h- how do we know we're ready? Are we ever really ready? Because someone might think, well, oh shit, I'm, you know, I, I, 
I'm, I'm never going to be ready to have kids. I have to, I have to be perfect for it. I have to heal my, I have to get rid of all my issues first, then I'm going to have kids. So, so that I'm not going to, you know, project onto them. And, and so. Right. You, you ask great you, questions. You, well, yeah. Well, I think you, you, you know, what a great question. I wish I get asked this question more often because really the, the most of us were not ready to have mm. kids. Now, this doesn't mean we mm. should never have kids because consciousness is not a destination. It's a process. But honestly, yes. all of us are having kids without even a smidgen of awakening, including myself. I, I should mm. now be having kids or at least in the last five years, mm. maybe thinking about it. But how dare I think I have thought about having a kid at 20, I started thinking about it at mm. 28, gave birth at 30. I didn't know anything. And, and I had been practicing meditation for 10 years already. You know, I didn't know this mm. thing called conscious parenting. It hadn't even come across to me. So it's only when we um, at least begin the process and are somewhat centered mm. on our own truth can we dare to, to start. Mm. You know, but, we, but right mm. now, most of us are having kids way too early. No, it should not be happening. And why do I say this? I'm not beating the biological clock at all. I'm saying... Look at the psychological ramifications of having children unconsciously. It's huge. It's devastating for our planet. Mm, mm, mm. Truly, truly, in a huge way. You know, as you're talking, I'm really hearing, and I'm really, uh, I talk about this a lot in my work, but I'm really uh, taking in from a whole different perspective as you're sharing how we each, in our own spiritual practice, in our own uh, evolution of our consciousness, our yoga, our meditation practice, we each have a mm -hmm. profound res responsibility, you know, to, to like, we're not just doing our spiritual practice for ourselves, but our spiritual practice and who we become and the fabric of our consciousness that we evolve into will literally affect, especially if we become parents, will literally affect the, uh, the psyche. Yes. Uh, of of the next generation and the next generation. So our own, you could say, ever, like if we want to change the world and impact the future, whether we build a company or become presidents or what have you, or write best-selling books or not, just if we impact our consciousness and shift and heal those patterns within ourselves, we are literally creating a different uh, consciousness field uh, for our children and their children and their children. So... Uh, I hope everyone listening in, you, you are in, even more inspired uh, listening to Dr. Shafali to um, heal yourself and transform yourself and realize the, the work and the impact that your own evolution is having, for sure. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Beautiful to think about. Yep. It's, yeah, it's not about us beautiful anymore, you know, uh, or, my, or oh. our insular singular obsessive focus on just what I need to do to fulfill my checklist in life. Mm -hmm. You know, and I always tell parents, mm -hmm. you know, we are so narcissistic. It's all about us, but no, having mm -hmm. a child is about them first and then about the planet. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and mm -hmm. the, the legacy we leave is not about their achievements, but about their emotional health. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. If you were to, pass on based on everything you've learned as a parent, as an author, as a psychologist, as a wife, just all of your experiences. If you were to um, pass on uh, three key wisdoms to the next generation, this is like Dr. Shafali's three life 
key wisdoms that you feel these wisdoms you've learned would be the things that evolve the next generation the most? And you can only pass on these three key wisdoms. I'm curious what those three life lessons or wisdoms would be. Well, um, since I haven't thought about it deeply, but what comes to my mind at this moment is the first thing I would teach my children or my the, anyone would be, you know, mainstream culture has been conditioned to dumb the psyche and the spiritual evolution of humanity. It's been created to create, it's been created to encourage uh, followers and obsequious genuflecting really cattle. And it's a tragedy that we think mainstream is what we need to be. So either in how we're supposed to look, who we're supposed to marry, the fact that we should get married, should have children, should, 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 all of what mainstream is teaching us is actually uh, about the suffusing of the authentic self. And it was mainstream can't be blamed. We're all part of mainstream. There is no evil mainstream out there. We're all part of it. But mm. it's been created to, to go for the, more, the most common denominator, which is the, the least harrowing, you know, least conflict arising uh, way of being. But that's not our nature. Our nature is to rise above. Our nature is to be who it is we are, to accept who we are unconditionally, unequivocally. But mainstream has made it so conditional. So the way mainstream does this, does things and does life is anti-consciousness. So in order to become conscious, you will have to now walk away and veer away from mainstream, which is a great fear people have. But liberation is only found out of mainstream. So that's number one. Don't be afraid to not follow the herd. The herd is going to the slaughterhouse. Don't do that if you want liberation. Now, if you, if you want safety in numbers, and if you want an ordinary life of, uh, you know, just following and everything being handed down to you in checklists and in numbers and values created by other people, go ahead. But if you want to be authentic, empowered, transformed, and liberated, then it, you are going to have to find yourself out of mainstream. So deviating from mainstream is a key element in life. And I teach my daughter all the time, you know, don't believe what culture tells you about how you need to look and how a woman is supposed to be. You cannot believe mainstream. So that's the first lesson. And then the second lesson, I think, would be, uh, again, connected to what I just said, but um, really deconstructing institutional abuse, you know, the institutions of parenting. So I'm deconstructing that and changing the hierarchical nature of that and teaching parents to equalize and make it egalitarian. The, the, the institutional abuse in education, often in religion, often in, um, you know, in, in most patriarchal setups, we see a very hierarchical top-down approach, education, parenting, religion, and, and most institutions where people feel that they either belong and they have to follow the rules in one way or they don't belong. And this sort of separatist thinking creates animosity and hatred and xenophobia. And then because it creates this, we have this yearning to belong. But then we give up our authenticity when instead we need to just understand the nature of institutions and see through them and debunk them and move out of them. Even marriage as an institution has the capacity to suffuse, to create control, dependency, enmeshment. All these institutions need to be looked at in a very deconstructed, enlightened, discerning way 
in each person's life to then be decided if it fits for them or doesn't fit for them. Just because the institutions mm-hmm. that have stood the test of time doesn't mean they, they work, doesn't mean they're effective for you. So each person should awaken to that deconstructive process. And lastly, you know, life is really a journey. So every single person who comes to your life comes with some sort of um, energy that you both need to investigate, um, understand, and evolve with. So when that energy finishes and it has taught you its lessons, don't be afraid to move on. Concomitantly, if the energy is not over, don't move on because then the energy will follow you, as in learn the lessons you need to learn from that relationship. Relationships are here to awaken us. They're not here for control or dependency or enmeshment in the name of love. They're simply here to awaken us. So when they've awakened us, their purpose as an instigative or primary relationship fades. They can still be in your life, but they've lost that primary purpose. Now they have a different purpose. So changing the form of relationships um, in order to understand their formless aspects is is a complex uh, phenomenon, and many people don't understand it, but it would help. I know I want to teach my daughter to understand that don't be afraid to move in and out of relationships. You know, there's so much to learn from so many people. Keep on moving and keep on learning and growing and evolving and teaching. Uh, Don't just be dependent on people because they're there in your life. Only be looking and chasing consciousness and evolution. I love it. I love it. Deconstructing myths. Beautiful. You know, I just, just, this question popped into my mind. I know it might be a little kind of off topic, but as you're sharing, I can't, I'm just curious to hear about what you feel the purpose of life is. So I felt like you were already going there, but I'm curious to just ask that question directly. Like, what do you feel? Why why are we born as as, as souls? We incarnate through, you know, through our parents. Why? What's your your opinion? Purpose of life. Yeah, I think we take a life form to undergo form-based experiences to combat the false self uh, because we've forgotten that we are divine and our divine nature is limitless, unconditional love. Um, so to get there, we need to evolve. So we are given form, which is very seductive, but the goal is to let go of form, to enter formlessness. So to keep evolving, so to keep moving in being in ourselves or in relationships toward greater and greater, higher, unconditional love. And when we are in relationships that are karmically wrought and fraught with conflict, that means they're very much steeped in, in conditional love. And I encourage people to, to seek first their own unconditional love towards themselves. And as they do that, they will then mirror and match and resonate with others who then reflect unconditional love back to them. And parenting, for example, is fraught with conditional love. It's fraught with attachment, yes. dependency. And, and it's just one more crutch for a, for a weak and feeble ego. So it's all about entering your divine nature, entering high and unconditional love through your evolution. Beautiful. You know, Dr. Shafali, I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning the day where as we become more 
conscious parents, more enlightened parents, as we tap into our own true nature, uh, they were as cho- you know as children incarnate, they incarnate into a you could say a foundation of awakening, you know, of awakenness. And uh, you know, many times I think the process of our life is the process of waking up. But to incarnate into that, you could say, soil of consciousness that we as parents set, uh, where they, you could almost say, the beginning of their life starts even more and more and more awake. And uh, so uh, I'm really touched by what you shared and uh, the vision you have. I think that the, the path of parenting ever more so is so important because it is, it is impacting the future and shaping the future of generations to come. Beautiful. Yeah. Folks, I hope you've all received tremendous value from this conversation. Um, how can people find out more about your work Sure. So they can go to my website at Dr. Shefali, that's spelled S-H-E-F for Frank, A-L-I, dot com. And my event is an annual consciousness rising, raising three-day sojourn. And I encourage people to come. I'm going to be teaching mindfulness meditation. People can come to learn about deconstructing parenting, understanding how to connect to their children, but mostly it's really about deepening their own awareness of who it is they are and how to live the most authentic and liberated lives themselves. I love it. We'll put uh, the information for that in the show notes and uh, definitely want to invite and encourage and urge all of you to uh, go to the weekend. It's called, is it called Evolve? Is that correct? Evolve? Yes. 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 Evolve, Evolve the Conscious Evolve. Summit. Yes. Awesome. I invite you all to, to go meet Dr. Shafali, check out her work. Her work is, I mean, incredible, ever more important uh, in our day and age today as we awaken humanity. So uh, we'll also uh, put your website in our show notes. And uh, folks, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Um, Dr. Shafali, could you assign a homework? If there was like one action step that those listening in could take from today's conversation something powerful or simple that each listener could actually do right now to make a difference in their lives. What, what's, what's one homework assignment, one specific action that people can take as a result of this conversation? Hmm, there's so many, but I think <laughs> a, really mic, a, a really micro action they could take is to walk into their home or to the spaces of their intimate relationships today and simply observe. Don't talk too much. Don't react. Just simply observe who it is their intimate partners and players are in their lives and observe their own energy around them. And begin to then discern how true or false they are in these relationships. I mean, just this, it, you know, takes a huge amount of discernment. Uh, but it would be a beginning step to, to ignite the faculty of observing. Yeah, beautiful. Folks, you heard it. The homework assignment. Uh, as we wrap up this amazing conversation, go into your environment and observe. Observe, witness, no judgment. Just observe and uh, shoot me an email and let me know how your assignment goes. Dr. Shafali, thank you for coming on to Soul Talk. It's been a, an enlightening conversation. Keep doing amazing, incredible work in the world. And folks, thank you so much. Me. 
Yeah, and definitely would love to have you back, Doctor. It would be amazing to uh, continue the conversation. Folks, if you enjoyed this, let me know what you uh, received from this conversation, your main takeaways, spread the word, and join me next week for another session of Soul Talk. Big love, love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at cooplaxon.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.